Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you, and now let us begin. Well, my dear brothers and sisters, we are back again for another episode of the Living Parables podcast, and I'm so thrilled to be doing this Old Testament study with you today. The title of this is called, Who is Your King? Who is Your King? So I'll tell you, the reality of this situation we're in today is that most people desire to be the king of their own lives. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live. You can't judge me. I am my own person. I speak my own truth, yada, yada, yada. And so this study is from, so it's a study within a study. And how I came about it is that I was in a study and we were learning about kingship. And this verse came up, which we're going to find here in just a few minutes. When the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people regard to you, and they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. That's where this started. So my curiosity got the best of me, which is always a good thing in a way when it comes to scripture. And so I studied out first Samuel chapter eight. And once I studied that out, I was just blown away of the parallels that we are in today. So when people say that scripture has no business being involved in our lives today, you can just dismiss that because scripture is so applicable today. So with that being said, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to read the whole thing through. And as we go through it, just keep an open mind, open heart, get your spiritual ears open. And without any further delay, 1 Samuel 8, starting the first verse. And it came about when Samuel was old that he appointed his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judging in Beersheba. His sons, however, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now then, listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. So verses 10 through 22 is that exact warning. Here we go. So Samuel spoke all the words 
of the Lord to the people who had asked of him a king. He said, This will be the procedure of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and place them for himself in his chariots and among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders and thousands of the fifties, and some to do his plowing and to reap his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters for perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. He will also take your male servants and your female servants and your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his servants. Then you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be king over us, that we also may be like other nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now, after Samuel had heard all these words of the people, he repeated them in the Lord's hearing. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to their voice and appoint them a king. So Samuel said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. Well, that was certainly a lot of information to take in all at once. 22 very powerful verses. And I'll tell you, uh, wow, just wow. And some of you are probably just like me, shaking your heads at the ignorance and foolishness of the Israelites at times. My goodness. Well, with that being said, as we start to go ahead and dive into this a little bit deeper, before we do that, some of you may not know who Samuel is. And so with that, I'm going to give you just a brief overview of who Samuel is. So Samuel, whose name means heard of God, H-E-A-R-D, was dedicated to God by his mother, Hannah, as part of a vow she made before she was born. Hannah had been barren and prayed so fervently for a child that Eli the priest thought she was drunk. You can find that in 1 Samuel chapter 1. God granted Hannah's request, and true to her promise, Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord. After Samuel was weaned, likely pretty much around the age of four, he was brought to the tabernacle to serve under Eli the priest. Even as a child, Samuel was given his own tunic, a garment normally reserved for a priest as he ministered before the Lord in the tent of meeting at Shiloh, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Traditionally, the sons of the priests would succeed their father's ministry. However, Eli's son, Hophni and Phinehas, were wicked in that they were immoral and showed contempt for the Lord's offering. Meanwhile, Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. At a time where prophecies and visions were rare, 
Samuel heard what he first believed to be Eli calling him during the night. Though the young Samuel was ministering in the tabernacle, he didn't know still the Lord. And the word Lord had not been revealed to him. And you can find that in 1 Samuel 3, 7. The first three times the Lord called Samuel, the boy responded to Eli. Eli then understood what was happening and instructed Samuel to respond to the Lord if he had called again. Then the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And you can find that exact verse in 1 Samuel 3.10. And boy, oh boy, should that not be our response when we feel God speaking to us through the scriptures. So God gave him a message of judgment to relay to Eli. The following day, Samuel took his first step or leap of faith, telling Eli everything. Even though the message was bad news for Eli and his family, Eli did respond with acceptance. Samuel's credibility as a prophet spread throughout Israel, and God continued to reveal his word to his people through Samuel. So that's just a brief overview of who Samuel is. You have the picture. And now let's go ahead and start breaking this down verse by verse. Looking at verses 1 and 2, we see that Samuel was old and he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. In verse 3, we find that his sons did not walk in his ways, and they turned aside to dishonest gain. They even took bribes, and not only that, they also perverted justice, which was obviously a no-no. And you know, just for a second here, as a father of four, I pray that that never happens to me because I have four boys. And you know, I just feel bad for Samuel and just how he felt when his sons were doing those things and he knew it. Such a terrible thing. So the elders of Israel got together and went to go talk to Samuel. You can find this in verses four and six. And they wanted a king to judge over them like the other nations. And you know, Samuel was really displeased in this. You can find this in verse 6. And he did what we all ought to do in those type of situations. He went to the Lord in prayer. And now, if you are going to put a star by any verse in this passage of Scripture, it's verse 7. This is so powerful. I'm going to hang here for a little bit, but I want you to Bear with me here, and I want you to listen carefully. Listen to verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Let's just hang there for a minute. Let's just stop. Brothers and sisters, isn't this the world today? And we could take that a step farther. When we are witnessing the people, when we are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are lost, when we are attempting to speak truth in a church and we get ridiculed for it, they are not rejecting you. Understand that. They are not rejecting you unless you are speaking from your own desires, your own heart, and your own truth. 
If you are speaking the words of Scripture, speaking the truth of God with accuracy and faithful, humble obedience, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting God. And that's that's a hard pill to swallow because I, at times, take things personally. When people don't show up for prayer groups, when people say that, Nate, you talk too long, you talk too much about God, you take that stuff personal. Or when you've been teaching people for years and years and years and they just they just keep rejecting and keep rejecting and keep riding the fence, you take it personal. But remember, of all of those instances, or maybe it's even a situation where you've been witnessing to the same person for decades. You've been praying for this specific individual for a long time. And it just seems like the more you pray, the harder their heart becomes. Understand that you cannot take this personal. Because we know in Ephesians 6.12 that our battle, our struggle, is not against flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle, and they are not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. If they reject us, really, in the grand scheme of things, who cares if they reject us? Yes, it may hurt us, but rejecting God is far more severe consequence than rejecting another flawed human being. And that's something that I had to learn because I would take that stuff personal. But right here, it's crystal clear. They are not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So going to verse 8, this is another powerful verse. It says, Like all the deeds which they have done since the day I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are also doing to you. My friends, think of what God did for the Israelites when it came to Egypt. He sent the plagues. They crossed the Red Sea miraculously. And by the way, when they crossed the Red Sea, that took a long time. There were millions of Jews that crossed that sea. That took a long time. And that was very miraculous. I mean, could you imagine that? I can't. That'd be amazing. And not only did God do that for them, but he even led them in the wilderness by an illuminated cloud by day and a pillar fire by night. They witnessed these things with their very eyes. Yet here they are again, turning astray, going on their own path wanting a human who is flawed to lead them rather than God. It's, it's unreal. God, who is so rich in mercy, gracious and compassionate and loving, listen to verse 9. Now then listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. Okay, if this is what you want, this is what's going to happen. So I'm not going to go over this again and reread it. I'm just going to give you the 
quick overview of verses 10 through 17. This is what this new king is going to do if he is what you truly desire. He's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to take the best of your fields, vineyards, and olive groves and give it to his, his servants. He's going to take a tenth of your seeds and a tenth of your vineyards and give it to his officers and servants. He's going to take the male and female servants. He's going to take the best young men and donkeys and use them for his work. Wow. You know what word is repeated over and over and over again right there? The word take. The word take. The word take here is found six times. He will take. He will also take. He will take. He will also take. This king is going to take, 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 and take. And yet, in verse 18, when Samuel is still given the warning. And while he's given this warning, something I want you to focus on, what makes... Uh, true prophets, prophets, and other people's false prophets. It's found here in verse 10. It says, So Samuel spoke all of the words of the Lord to the people. He didn't come up with this himself. He spoke all the words of the Lord to the people. Now, just to be clear, there are no prophets today. There's no prophetesses. There's... No ongoing revelation outside of what has been given in Holy Scripture. I just want to make that perfectly clear. But this king that they want to be appointed is going to take, take, and take. And in verse 18, finally going to get back to it here. Listen to this. Then you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. Now, this is the scary part. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. This is what you want, huh? This is what you really want? Okay. Well, basically, don't come crying to me when it all comes crumbling down. He's not going to answer you in that day. And the people's response is unbelievable. Now, let me ask you this. You heard all these warnings. You're one of the elders. And you hear this warning from Samuel, from God Almighty himself, thus saith the Lord. What would your response be? Ooh, we better rethink that. I don't like that at all. This sounds terrible. Maybe there were some that did that. I don't know. But here's the reality. Verse 19 is their response. Nevertheless, the people refused. My friends, they refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. And they said, nope, but there shall be a king over us. That sealed their fate. That sealed their fate. But it gets worse from here. Listen to verse 20. It still is going. 
that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Really? They want to be like everybody else. Didn't I just say nothing new is under the sun? Sounds a lot like people today. Oh, hey, I want to be like this church. This church is like a techno church. And yeah, we, yeah I mean, we don't really dig in the word of God, but boy, we have a good time. We have a rock band and we get the lights all going and there's like a laser show. And man, it's just such a fun time. And we got all these things. We don't have any Bible study groups, but we, have, we got all these we got these groups that go that are going. It's just a great time. I mean, I don't know what the pastor says half the time because he's not, he doesn't have a Bible on his hand, but man, we just have a great time. Worship the Lord, healings, blessings, mercies, all those things. Angels working for us. This is fantastic. Nothing's new under the sun. We want to be like everybody else. We don't care about you, Lord. We don't care that you've done all these miraculous things that man cannot do. We don't care. We were enslaved for decades and decades and decades. And yet, when you finally delivered us, we wanted to go back? You thought you had it so good there? I don't think so. No, no, no. Are you serious? And yet here is God laying this out through Samuel. And I don't, I just, sometimes I wish I can go back to when these things were happening and just be a fly on the wall and just see what's going on. I couldn't imagine the horror on Samuel's face. He's like, what? Are you kidding me? His jaw was probably all the way to the floor. It's like, what? They refused to listen to him. And how is that like today? It's exactly like today. You try to go up and tell people about Christ, about salvation found in him, that your sin is storing up wrath upon yourself and that your sin hides God's face from you and it causes a separation between you and God, they don't care. So what? I love my life. I love being in charge of my life. And yet, they're still empty, they're still flawed, and they're still in the destination to hell. And the best thing you can do is pray for them and hope that God can get his way into their hearts. Because this is the exact and direct result of a hardened heart. A hardened heart has no regard for God, his mercies, his love, his grace, his provision, his lordship, his sovereignty. They don't care about any of that stuff. I want to do me. I want to be the Lord of my life. And you know what? We want to be like everybody else. We want to be like everybody else. And you know, this brought me to Romans 12. Listen to Romans 12. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, sorry. 
Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, verse 1. Those are the people that are accepting of God, who follow him, who are humble and obedient to him. Verse 2 is what we're talking about here in 1 Samuel 8. And do not be conformed to this world. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, that's that's an admonishing to not be conformed. Yes, you're right. Don't be conformed to this world. They wanted to be conformed to this world. God says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. They wanted to conform. We want to be like everybody else. And that is what the world is like today. We don't want to stand out on faith. We, we don't want God to be the Lord over our lives. Because the world is saying, again, it's a me first society. It's saying, do you, be you, live your own truth, yada, yada, yada. I know I said that many times, but it's so true. They want to be like everybody else. And you know what's going to happen if you want to be like everybody else? You become a friend of the world. And we've done this scripture just in the last few episodes. But James 4.4 rings so true here. It says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Now listen to this. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I mean, at this point, they're enemies of God. We don't want you as our king. We want an earthly king that we can see. And you know what's even worse about that? Let's look at verse 20. That we also may be like all the nations. We just talked about that. But listen to this last part. That our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Really? This, this is... Seriously, madness. This is madness. 10 through 17. He's going to take this and take this and take this and take this and do this and do this. Awful things. He's going to fight our battles for us. He's going to judge us right. He's going to go before us. What? This doesn't sound like a selfless king. So <laughs> I, I, I'm shaking my head. My neck's going to be hurting. Because my head is shaking so much. Are you are you literally insane? I don't know what is going on. <laughs> what is going on? But I'll tell you, this is what happens when you have a hardened heart towards God and you have a love for the world. And you want to be conformed to this world. I want to be like everybody else. And you know, Samuel heard these words. And he repeated them back to the Lord in verse 22. And this is what blows me away about God. I mean, many things do, but these people truly deserved to be wiped off the face of the earth. And he could have done that so easily. Listen to verse 22. 
The Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and appoint them a king. I mean, wow. I mean, how do you not say wow to that? How, how do you not say wow to that? I, I don't know. And you know, our God is long-suffering. And we're talking about God's patience here. Listen to a couple verses of God's patience. 2 Peter 3.15 And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. 1 Peter 3.20 Who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. I mean, God is so patient and his patience we need to regard that as salvation if you're still alive today he is showing patience with you either you're not his and he's being patient so that you may have salvation one day or you are his and he's being patient with you and he's conforming you to the image of his son but God, who is just rich in mercy and graceful, gave them the desire that they requested. Yes, he did. He graciously gave them their desire, but it was truly second fiddle to what they already had. And, you know, we do the very same thing today. We'll pray for things and demand things from God, but he is so far superior to anything we could ever desire. In the end, worldly desire will leave us crying and unfulfilled and empty. You know, the earthly king demanded and took. We talked about this again, but he just took and took and took. You know, our God gives to us graciously and generously, and Jesus Christ himself says in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the kind of God I want to serve. This king that they wanted was not that way. He wasn't humble. He wasn't godly. He was the opposite of those things. I mean, listen, listen to Mark 10, 45 one more time. Listen to that one more time. Jesus Christ himself, who is God, who is self-existent, he has always existed, time does not bound him, nothing binds him. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, in all places. This is what his heart is to us. Listen to this. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I mean, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what will. And to give his life a ransom for many. God is going to give his life up as a ransom for us? To be reconciled to himself? I mean, wow. 
That just blows me away. You know, we as fallen people fail to see the overwhelming importance of God as our Lord and King. We trust in people, kings and rulers. We trust in our leaders. And the Bible says opposite of that. I want to take you now to Psalm 146, the whole entire chapter. And it's only 10 verses. I want you to clear everything. I want you to listen to all these verses. It's not long, but listen to these. These are so incredibly powerful. Listen here. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. That's verse 1. Wow. Verse 2 says, I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Let that be said of us. Let that be said of us. Is that you? Is that me? Do we praise the Lord while we live? Do we praise God while things are at its absolute worst? Do we do that? Do we even praise the Lord while we even get good things? Or we just think that we must be doing something right to get all these good things? We praise the Lord in the good times and the bad. We give Him the glory for all things. Now, kind of going back to... 1 Samuel 8 here. This is the verse I really want to touch on, but the rest is very applicable. Verse 3 says, Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Because if you didn't, you know I'm going to say it again. So listen one more time to the third verse. Do not trust in princes. In mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. Why? Because there's no salvation in him. And you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Acts, the fourth chapter, in verse 12. Listen to this. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men, by which we must be saved, that it's talking about Jesus Christ. So here we are in Psalm 146.3, telling us explicitly not to trust in princes, in mortal man, because there's no salvation in them. They can do nothing spiritually for you. They are not going to get you to heaven, only Jesus Christ. Verse 4, talking about this mortal man that you're not supposed to trust in, his spirit departs, and he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. He's done away with. How blessed, verse 5, is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Is God your hope? Do you hope in him? Verse 6, whom, now this is talking about God here, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. 
The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. But he thwarts the way of the wicked. In verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. And just like how this chapter started, it's going to end. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, as we start to make our way to the end, I'm just going to leave with these few last thoughts. If you are trying to witness to people, share the gospel with people, or to pray for people, and they are not responding in the way that you would prefer, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting God. That's the big thing. People still today forsake God for the sake of idols. They do. Anything you put as more importance than God is idolatry. And God so graciously warns people before he enacts judgment. Isn't that amazing? Think about that for a minute. God who is the Lord of all things. We, we found that out in Psalm 146. We also saw it in Psalm 24. We've done that in previous episodes. Everything in this world that dwells in it is the Lord's. And he is a righteous, just God. So if any one of us steps out of line, he has every right as the creator of the universe to eradicate that from existence yet he does not do that he shows patience and that patience as we learn should be thought of as salvation but people don't regard god's patience as salvation it's just a yeah i just keep doing what i want it just affirms my bad behavior no it's, t- it's terrible Oh, how we turn our backs on the goodness of God. He warns the people. He warns them. He doesn't smite them right away. He warns us. My dear brothers and sisters, when you read scripture, this is a love letter for sure, but it's also a warning. The wrath of God is coming upon you because of your sin. Your sin has separated you from God. It hides his face from you. Even you, Your sin even stores up wrath on yourselves. And yet, the amazing part about the gospel is it answers the question, how do we become right before God? And you know I'm going to go with this because I do it so much, and it's so true. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I quote it all the time for a very good reason. Because this is a gospel in a nutshell. It says, He made him, again, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus was sinless, to be sin 
on our behalf. So let's take let's take that. Let's not finish this for a minute. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. What does sin do? It separates us from God. It hides his face from us. God abhors the wicked. He hates sin. Jesus became that. He became that for us. Jesus, who was never separated from God for all eternity, became that for us. That, my friends, is the type of love that I want to be a part of. That's the kind of God that I want to serve. That's the kind of God that I want to devote my life to. And that's the God that when I get to heaven one day, that I am going to bow down both my knees and my face is going to fall flat on the ground, hands out, because of how holy and righteous he is. That's the God I want to serve. And that's the God I do serve. Not perfectly, to my shame. But now let's finish it out. Jesus, he became sin for us. He took the punishment, the full wrath of God. All the wrath that we store, that we were storing up for ourselves because of our sin, he took it upon himself. And the last part of 21, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, bam, wow. That's how we become righteous. It's right there. That's the only way. He's the only way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way we stand before God. And he is the truth in all things. And he is the everlasting life. You want eternal life? It's found in his son, Jesus Christ. So as I wrap this up here, let me just exhort you with this before we go. Do not be like the Israelites in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel. I could really just stop there. Don't be like the Israelites in chapter 8. But don't let there be any idols in your life of more importance than God. Do not reject God for worldly things. Because in the end, everything is going to pass away. And the only thing that will not pass away are the words of Christ. We need to remain firm and steadfast to the end. And we must submit ourselves to the lordship and kingship of the only true king, the king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our God. He is our master. He is our king and he is our savior. So I want to thank you with all that is in me, for joining me today. Your support and faithfulness keeps me going and drives me to keep serving the Lord in this capacity. God has given me a platform to preach and teach his name in a way that I never thought would be possible. And you are here with me on this journey.
we're all on this journey together of life. And I want to encourage you to keep pursuing the Lord. Keep drawing near to his heart. Keep obeying the gospel. Keep obeying the commandments of Jesus Christ. Walk humbly with your God. Walk in humility. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Lean not on your own understanding. Pursue him with a zeal and a fire that will never be quenched. Search the scriptures. Study the scriptures. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Pray continually. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for each other. Love one another. And my friends, one day we will see our King, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, the one who died for us, the one who was buried, and the one who rose again face to face. What a glorious, wonderful, powerful, magnificent day that will be. So with that, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.